More than 20% of people in faith communities are survivors of childhood sexual abuse. But sadly, churches are often the last place a victim of abuse can find help and healing. I'm Kelly Downing, and my dream is a church where survivors like me and so many others can feel safe, be heard, and find healing. Until that happens, this is Survivor Sanctuary, a podcast for survivors of sexual abuse who are navigating the road to healing and for anyone who wants to be a part of the major heart renovation the church needs so that our faith communities can truly become sanctuaries for survivors. Welcome to another episode of Survivor Sanctuary. I'm Kelly Downing, your host survivor of sexual abuse, advocate for the abused, person who's really tired of being quarantined, lots of different things I guess I could give as my title. But the main thing is that I'm super happy to be back with you again this week for another episode of Survivor Sanctuary. Obviously, it would not be an episode of Survivor Sanctuary if I didn't plug the Facebook group. I wanted to do that real quick and give a welcome to our latest members. I call them members because it is a private group, so you have to request to join the group, and then uh, you become a member. As soon as I've verified, you're not an ex-murderer or anything like that. So I want to give a big welcome to Pamela J., Vel S, Betty H, B H, Clarissa P, Julie S, Kathy G, Nina H, Martha L, Patricia K, Ashley B, and Josie T. So we had 12 people just request to join in the last couple of days, and we have new members each and every week. And I love everything that is contributed by the people in our groups. We've had some really good discussions, especially over the last couple of days, especially since the last episode of Survivor Sanctuary, which was all about anxiety. And some folks in the Survivor Sanctuary Facebook group shared some really good ways to kind of get yourself out of panic and anxiety mode just to kind of calm your body down so that you can think clearly again and kind of get out of that fight or flight response. So you can check out all of those comments by visiting the Survivor Sanctuary Facebook group, Survivor Sanctuary on Facebook, and request to join, and I will add you there. Well, this episode is born out of another discussion that we've had in the last couple of weeks on the Survivor Sanctuary Facebook group, and actually in some other groups that I am part of on Facebook. We know that trauma can deeply affect people, but what we also know is that not every single person will experience trauma the exact same way. It's why you could look at a group of 10 people and they've all experienced a similar trauma. Maybe all of them were sexually abused at the age of six by a friend of the family and didn't tell for many years. So there are a lot of similarities to their stories and you might expect that they are all traumatized in the same way or that they've all found healing in the same way. But in that group of people, you would probably find some people who have varying degrees of trauma, varying degrees of struggle, and also varying degrees of healing. So I wanted to talk about that today on this episode of Survivor Sanctuary because something that I do that I know other people do, not necessarily as it relates to abuse, but we kind of do it to ourselves, and that is the comparison game. You know, it's easy to get on social media. I mean, social media is great for a lot of things, but it has made the world worse in a few ways, and one of them is that comparison game. You know, we can get on social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, 
and we can think, oh my goodness, this person seems to be doing so much better in their healing process than I am, or why is it that I struggle with X and this person doesn't? And something that has definitely been a topic of some previous episodes of Survivor Sanctuary is the struggle that I've had in surviving sexual abuse and struggling in romantic relationships. And if you look at survivors of sexual abuse, that is not something that is necessarily felt across the board. Now, I won't say that relationships aren't a struggle, but I think that the extent to which people struggle with, with relationship is very different. There are some people who have successful marriages. You know, they've been able to fall in love and stay married for a really long time and kind of work that out and get over that anxiety or whatever it is they may struggle with in the relationship department uh, thanks to having been abused. But for some other people, it might be a struggle that lasts a little bit longer for them. So it's tempting to kind of look at somebody else and be like, why in the heck am I not at that point? Like, why can this person get married and have children? And it seems like such like a panicky, anxiety-inducing, climbing Mount Kilimanjaro type of a deal for me. And so I, I want to talk about both the way that we heal differently and the way that we experience trauma differently and also about not comparing ourselves to other people because I think it's so important that we don't do it. And it's something that I think I can 100% say every single one of us as human beings struggles with this. Even if it's not related to sexual abuse, we struggle with the comparison game. We've got enough difficulty as survivors kind of dealing with the portion of the population that sort of just doesn't have any patience for survivors, people that just don't understand why you can't just, quote, get over it, you know, why you can't just move on and let go and leave the past in the past, why you can't just pick yourself up by your bootstraps and not ever think about or talk about childhood trauma ever again. Like, why can you not just be healed and be 100% whole and stop being a victim and blah, 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 blah. So we deal with that attitude sometimes from non-survivors that can tend to be really, really tough on survivors. But in addition to that, we also have the difficulty that we can get a little bit impatient with each other sometimes. And I don't know if you've ever caught yourself doing this, but I've, I've read some comments before and I've heard some people talk and and I've actually heard directly from some survivors like, well, I just did it this way and you just have to do it this way. And, you know, I'm healed and I'm whole and I'm perfect because I just decided that this wasn't going to affect me. And like, you know, there are some ways that non-survivors can be hard on us, but there are also ways that survivors can be hard on each other. And maybe being hard on each other isn't necessarily the exact right wording for it, but there's this expectation that because you've reached the some level of healing or because you're dealing with things a certain way that maybe everybody else should be dealing with them exactly that way at the same time. And for me, I don't know if this is true of you, but when a non-survivor is hard on me about not healing fast enough or talking about sexual abuse and they think, you know, silence equals healing and if you were totally healed, you wouldn't need to talk about sexual abuse. Like, that's hard enough. But what I find more difficult to deal with is when fellow survivors are kind of hard on you and hard on each other and there's not that grace that each and every one of us needs. So we have that to deal with. It is hard enough with other people kind of giving us trouble, whether they're non-survivors or survivors, it's difficult enough to kind of navigate going through the healing process and trying to figure everything out with all the external voices. And we make it so much harder when we are hard on ourselves, not necessarily by berating ourselves, even though I know we can do that, but by comparing ourselves with other people. 
You've probably heard the saying that comparison is the thief of joy. Well, I think that is absolutely true when you are a survivor of sexual abuse and you're working hard on your healing. Comparing yourself to other survivors can definitely be a thief of joy and it can be a thief of the progress that you've made because maybe you've made a ton of progress for you and you've come a long way from where you started, but then you look at somebody else and you're like, oh my gosh, this person has everything together and they're this awesome advocate and they can go speak to big crowds and they can do X, Y, Z and they can do all this stuff and like, why am I not at that point? Or, you know, this person seems to have just overcome so much. Well, when we start comparing ourselves to other people, we definitely lose some ground in our healing progress. So something I think that we need to keep in mind is that when you look at other survivors, what are you actually looking at of their lives? If you're looking at other survivors that you see maybe on the Survivor Sanctuary Facebook group, maybe on Twitter or on Facebook, on Instagram, on some other social media platform, when you're looking at them through social media and those outlets where we kind of just share little snippets of our lives, we are looking at the highlights that a person has chosen to post on social media. So while to you, some survivors might seem to have it all together, they might seem to be these amazing advocates and have so much going for them and they've just healed by leaps and bounds and they must not struggle anymore because they've written a book or whatever the case may be. The reality is that you're only seeing a very small snippet of their lives and it's a portion of their lives that they feel is worthy of sharing with other people. Now, there are some very, very honest survivors and advocates on social media who just kind of lay it all out there like, listen, I'm a mess and this is how I am right now and this is just the way that it is and that's awesome. But a lot of the times we share our victories more than we share our defeats. So I think it's really important to be super careful of comparing yourself to other survivors and here's why. Because not everybody experiences trauma the same way. And not everybody experiences healing the same way. You are a completely unique individual. Your story is unique to you. Even though you might share some similarities with others and you've survived similar things, that does not mean that the exact same like measuring stick for healing is going to be used in both your stories. We don't all break the same. And I think that that is really important to remember because even though, as I mentioned, there can be similarities to our stories, you can hit two vases with a hammer separately and they're not going to be broken in the exact same way. And there are reasons for that. And I want to talk about why trauma affects us differently. Like each of us has a unique experience with trauma. So even though there are those similarities, there are some reasons that some people have more of a struggle with certain traumas than other people do. For some people, the trauma may be more severe. For some people, the healing process may be a lot longer. And there are a few reasons that go into why that is the case. And one of them is something we literally have absolutely zero control over whatsoever. It's called genetics. I mean, basically, there are some things that we are born with that kind of determine our personalities, how our brains are made up, our body chemistry, how our cells work, all of these things that influence how we are as people and can also influence how we react to trauma. I'll give you an example from my own life, and you can probably sit and think of a bunch of examples from your own life and your own family as well. So if you look back in my family history, there is quite a bit 
of anxiety and depression on both sides of my family. Now, a lot of it was from trauma in the lives of some of my relatives, grandparents and great-grandparents and things that they went through, uh, like going through World War II and PTSD from that, being raised by a father who had been in World War II and had PTSD, uh, being raised by a mother who was abused herself as a kid. And unfortunately, trauma affects our genetics. It affects us down to a cellular level. So genetically, we're all different you might have come from a family that doesn't have a long history of depression, that doesn't have a long history of anxiety. So maybe when you went through childhood sexual abuse or whatever trauma you've gone through, it might affect you a little bit differently, personality-wise, chemically, physiologically. There's so many different ways that it can affect you. It might be different for you if you don't come from a line of people who have suffered from depression, if that's not something that genetically you just have in your makeup. So genetics can be a reason that we experience trauma very differently. And I think it's important to know that because I feel like when we understand the differences in each other and the reasons that we don't all experience trauma the exact same way, we have a lot more grace for each other. There's a lot more patience and understanding. It's not a thing of, well, I don't know why you're not healing because I did X, Y, Z and now I'm so healed and you're not and I don't understand it and I'm frustrated with you. It's not like that because... We all have different makeup, we all have different genetics, and all of us are going to respond to trauma in a little bit of a different way. No two people are going to experience trauma the exact same way. So in addition to genetics, there's something else that really affects how you might be equipped or not equipped to handle trauma. And those are the experiences that you had, especially as a child. Childhood sexual abuse is definitely one of the adverse childhood experiences that can affect people the greatest, but it's not the only one. There are so many adverse childhood experiences that can affect how you're equipped to handle trauma or how you're totally not equipped to handle it at all. So a person who maybe had a super happy childhood, didn't have to worry about a parent abandoning them, never had to deal with an alcoholic parent or some super big dysfunction in their family, they might handle the trauma of sexual abuse a little bit differently than a person who, say, grew up in an abusive home. Maybe their family members never sexually abused them, but perhaps they physically abused them. Perhaps they got yelled at a lot. Maybe they had parents that were emotionally unavailable. You know, there's a lot of research into how support from family and early support when a child discloses sexual abuse, how it helps them heal from it. And the kids who usually disclose the fastest are those who have supportive family systems. But there are so many people who have had really rocky childhoods and have very rocky home lives and maybe they don't feel comfortable to tell their parents. They are scared for one reason or another or they have some serious dysfunction happening in their family and they're kind of already experiencing trauma from that and then trauma from sexual abuse can just compound that. So in addition to your genetics making a difference in how you might respond to sexual abuse and how someone else might respond to it, we also have our experiences as kids that definitely affect us as well. So in my family, there was no shortage of dysfunction. Both my parents came from pretty dysfunctional families, some more than others, uh, but dysfunction was definitely rampant in both families. And then these two people from dysfunctional families got together and were like, yay, let's make a whole bunch of humans and share our dysfunction in their DNA and it should be a great fun time. So that happened in my family. And so genetics, 
And my traumatic, dysfunctional family experiences from childhood definitely contributed to the way that abuse affected me. If you had other kinds of trauma in your life, whether before or after you were sexually abused, that is also kind of going to compound the problem and determine how it is that you heal, the rate at which you heal, and what your experience of healing is from childhood sexual abuse. It is not a cookie cutter experience. So keeping that in mind is definitely going to help you have grace for other people, but more importantly, it's going to help you have some grace for yourself so that when you look at Twitter or you look at Instagram or maybe Facebook or just the people around you and you're like, why do these people seem like they have it so much more together than I do? Just know, first of all, A, that they don't have it necessarily more together than you do. That's just what you're seeing of other people and people usually show you the best version of themselves especially when they're not super close to you and especially on social media we tend to share the highlight reel of our lives and not necessarily the stuff that has us crying in a corner you know at three o'clock in the morning with a pint of Ben and Jerry's in hand or however it is that you cry when you're super upset we're seeing the highlight reels from other people and that's something that's good to keep in the forefront of your mind. I say take everything you see on social media with a bit of a grain of salt because obviously we want to share the good stuff from our lives. Nobody wants to be like a Debbie Downer and just go online and only share when they're miserable. Nobody wants to be around a miserable person, so we tend to kind of put on our happy face. We're taught that. It's really ingrained in us from the time we're little. Like, put on a happy face. If somebody asks how you're doing, don't be honest. Just tell them you're doing great, you know? That's kind of how it goes. So genetics, things that happen to us when we're kids, including other events that we might be able to term traumatic or adverse childhood experiences, those can cause um, our trauma to be compounded. And not everybody is going to have additional traumas in the same way that you did. Not everybody's going to have your genetics. Not everyone has your experiences. We're all unique. So the next time you feel like beating yourself up that you're not healing fast enough, just remind yourself of that. There are different factors that go into trauma and there are different factors that go into healing. And every single person not only breaks differently, but they heal differently as well. And something that kind of goes along with our childhood experiences is the level of support that we have when we disclose that we were abused or even the level of support that we have if we don't choose to disclose. If you've got super supportive parents, you have super supportive friends, you feel like you are loved and supported in your life and you're confident in that and you have that secure attachment to your family, it is typically going to be so much easier for you to heal from sexual abuse. That's why you may see some kids being super resilient and others may seem like a complete and utter disaster. And a lot of that has to do with the level of support that they're getting from their family, from their communities, their friends. It's different for every single person. And if you happen to come from a dysfunctional family, um, an abusive background, there's so many things that could be wrong in your childhood, then you know that you probably weren't extremely supported when you needed it the most. And that definitely has an effect on your healing as well. So once we've experienced trauma, there are some things that are set in motion in our minds, in our bodies, in our spirits. There are things that are set in motion that are going to vary from person to person. 
I remember feeling my first like anxiety attack. I call it an anxiety attack because it felt like anxiety. Felt like I used to call it like a stomach ache when I was a kid. I was thought I was sick to my stomach. Um, now I know that it's anxiety, but the first time I felt it was within hours of having been sexually abused. Maybe like 12 hours later, it was just this very strange, like all of the sudden I have this feeling of anxiety that I had never felt before in my entire life. And maybe genetically I was predisposed to experience anxiety, but I know that until I was sexually abused at six years old, I hadn't. So that was something that set into motion this process in my body that we talked a little bit last week on the podcast about, and that is the stress response in your body where you have like adrenaline, noradrenaline, cortisol, the stress hormones, whenever you go into fight or flight kind of coursing through your body and those hormones and that stress response was not intended to be an all day, everyday type of a thing. It's like when you're in grave danger, you're supposed to experience that. So when your body starts going into that stress response kind of in a malfunctioning sort of way where it's happening when it shouldn't be. Like for me as a kid, just randomly, I would just be minding my own business and all of a sudden I would think about the fact that I had been abused and I would immediately be in that stress response with cortisol being released into my system and all these stress hormones and feeling sick and gross just from what was happening in my body. When that happened over and over and over again, it caused a serious dysfunction in the way that my brain worked, in the way that my entire system worked. So that went on to affect me over the years in addition to just the trauma itself. So the trauma was bad, like to think about it and the questions I had in my mind, the things I told myself about me because I had experienced the sexual abuse and that shame, those were all affecting me, but my body's response was affecting me as well. And we know now from research by people a lot smarter than me that when this stress response is happening in your body, it changes your chemical makeup. It literally changes your cells. And not for the better when you're struggling with this extreme toxic stress. This might all seem like simple information. Like, okay, not all of us experience childhood the same way. Not all of us experience life the same way. We don't all have the same genetics and we don't all have the same support system at home or the same kind of upbringing. And so that means that we can struggle with sexual abuse and trauma in different ways and on different levels, if you will. It sounds simple, but I find myself, and I hear a lot of other people as well, struggling to really understand this at a level where we're able to give grace to other people. And I will say that in the survivor community, I think it's more that we struggle with giving ourselves the grace to heal at our own pace. I've said often on this podcast, and I think that it bears repeating, that healing is not linear. It's not this straight line from before healing to after healing with this smooth process in between. And even though it's not a smooth straight line, we know, okay, well, it's a crooked line, but it's a different shaped line for every single person. So your squiggly line to get through trauma is going to look different from somebody else's squiggly line because you're not dealing with the same stuff. And so when that struggle comes in where we start comparing ourselves to other people or getting impatient with ourselves because we see healing as this particular thing we're very clear on that all this has to happen in my life before I can say I'm completely healed. Like we're really hard on ourselves and we just lose patience and get discouraged and then it's easy to kind of, well, I'll throw in the towel and I'll start thinking about healing at another time. One of the problems might be that we think of healing as a destination 
And it sounds super cliche and like I would probably want to punch somebody if they said it to me, but like healing is a journey, not a destination. And as cheesy as that sounds, it's something that you might want to consider keeping at the forefront of your mind, that you are not chasing after some ideal. You're not chasing after some point of perfection where you can say, I no longer struggle and I'm 100% healed from sexual abuse. You are not broken. Yes, you've been wounded. Yes, you have scars. Maybe you still have gaping wounds that need to begin healing. But if you think of yourself as I'm not whole and I'm only gonna be a whole person and good enough when I'm healed, you put up this impossible standard and you're never gonna attain it because there's no such thing as a person who is 100% unbroken, unwounded, um, it is definitely about the process of living and we're going to be wounded in our lives. We're going to experience the effects of those wounds. And yes, we can overcome so much as survivors. And so that's something that you want to hold on to. It's not impossible to heal, but we don't want to set up some impossible goal for ourselves. Like I am only going to be a whole person who no longer struggles when I get to this point where I never struggle with depression, I never struggle with anxiety, I don't have any bad days where I feel sorry for myself or where I feel traumatized. Um, I'm only gonna be good enough if I get to point A, B, C, D, whatever it might be for you. And we do kind of have these ideals in our heads and we kind of set these standards for us that are impossible to attain. So I do think it's helpful to think of it as a journey and not a destination. You're not trying to get to some point of perfection. What you're trying to do is to constantly be kind to yourself and constantly take care of yourself and constantly accept yourself at the point that you are right now and not at some arbitrary point in the future where you feel like you should be. I just think it comes down to giving ourselves grace because all of us are experiencing trauma in slightly different ways. And some of us might be experiencing it in extremely different ways. And I've mentioned some reasons for that. Like there are some reasons that you can pinpoint and say, okay, this person's genetics are different. And that's why maybe they're able to look more positively at life. This person's brain chemistry is different. Maybe they have more serotonin than I do. So they're able to feel a little bit differently about this situation than I did. This person had a supportive parent and I didn't. So maybe that's why they're, they seem to be a little bit further in this process. They don't seem to struggle as much as I do. So there are some reasons that we can pinpoint, but there are also reasons that are not going to make perfect scientific sense, that you can't boil down to a list of exact reasons because our minds are so different. Our brains are so different. Like, yeah, they generally work kind of the same way, but every single person is a product of the thoughts they've had from the beginning of their lives and how they were nurtured by their parents, the traumas they've experienced, their genetic makeup, everything is just kind of this perfect storm of, there's no perfect rhyme or reason to all of it. I think only God can pinpoint it, and for whatever reason, he hasn't given us that capability. So I don't think that it's important for you to figure out the exact reasons why somebody might have experienced trauma differently than you, because it might never make sense to you. I just think it's important for you to know that it does does affect everyone differently for a variety of reasons so that we can give ourselves the grace that we need to be able to heal at whatever pace we're healing. And if I understand, well, maybe Susie 
Yes, she experienced childhood sexual abuse, but perhaps the reason that she's been able to have these super loving, like romantic relationships in her life, and that hasn't been a struggle for her. Maybe it's because she had a different example in her life of happy marriages. Maybe she had other examples of like positive male role models in her life. You know, I can tell myself those things to say, I don't need to compare myself to Susie. I don't need to be healing the exact way that she does in order to give myself grace, in order to love myself, in order to be patient with myself. We can definitely find people on the outside who aren't patient with us. We can definitely find people who are judgmental and say like awful things to survivors about wanting them to hurry up and heal. And it sucks. You know, none of us like to hear those comments from people and it's stressful to deal with it. But I will say that this has been my personal experience. I am so much harder on myself than anyone from the outside is hard on me. I am so much more judgmental of me and my healing process than anybody on the outside. And so it boils down to giving yourself the grace to heal at whatever pace you can. You might be busier than some other people. Maybe you don't have time to put all this effort and energy into reading all the books and doing all the things that are going to make you become this healed whole person that doesn't struggle with any effects of abuse anymore. Maybe somebody else has more time because they have a different kind of a job or they have a different family lifestyle. You know, there are so many factors that go into it, but all you need to be aware of is that you heal at your pace. And whatever that pace is, it's okay. The only thing that's not okay is being mean to yourself or being mean to others because you or they haven't attained the level of healing that some idea of perfection in your mind has told you that you or they should have. Give yourself grace and give other people grace. We don't all break exactly the same and we definitely don't all heal exactly the same. I mentioned those two bases. You can put two vases side by side and, and get hammers and just one crack of the hammer on each one. They're going to shatter in different ways. In fact, depending on the material that one of them is made out of, maybe one will shatter and one will just crack. You know, you don't know because no two vases are exactly the same and no two people are exactly the same. So I just wanted to give us that reminder um, because I know we've talked a little bit about it in the last couple of weeks on the Survivor Sanctuary Facebook group about just that kind of the comparison game and how we feel like, oh, well, this worked for me in healing and, and I'm at this point, so it should work for everyone. Or I don't struggle with this, so you shouldn't. Or, you know, we just, those voices need to stop because we're all different and we all handle trauma and are affected by trauma uniquely. Important to remember for the express purpose, I think, of just giving ourselves grace. It's gonna be really hard for you to heal from sexual abuse. It's gonna be really hard for you to be able to go through a process where you can even process the things that you went through as a kid if you don't have grace for yourself, if you're not giving yourself that compassion. So I just thought that would be a good reminder for us this week. You're healing at your pace and it's so tempting to get impatient with yourself and beat yourself up or maybe even beat somebody else up because they're not healing fast enough. But the reality is, the bottom line is, we're all different. It's different for all of us. I wish, you know, like the one thing I wished when I first realized that I had been sexually abused and I realized all of the chaos and upheaval that it had caused in my life, the thing I wanted more than anything else was like the 10 steps to heal, like steps one through 10, exact, nothing arbitrary, just give me some black and white facts 
exact things I need to do to go from this point of despair to this point of perfectly healed and never have to think about this again. And guess what? Hate to be the bearer of bad news. It does not exist. It just doesn't. It doesn't exist. It's not a thing as much as we wish that it were. So it is extremely important to give ourselves the grace to heal however it is that we heal. That's what I wanted to share with you on this episode of Survivor Sanctuary. I just want to say thanks. And don't forget to join the Survivor Sanctuary Facebook group. Just search Survivor Sanctuary on Facebook, request to join, and I will add you. And then you can join the conversation there. And uh, maybe we can continue this chat about how to give ourselves grace in the healing process as we all break and heal differently. You can also become a supporter of the podcast by visiting anchor.fm slash Survivor Sanctuary. Click on support and you can support monthly starting at 99 cents a month and going up from there. If you want to be a part of keeping this content on the podcast and online. So anchor.fm slash Survivor Sanctuary. I'll catch you back here on the next episode of Survivor Sanctuary. I'll see you then. Thanks for listening to Survivor Sanctuary with me, Kelly Downing. If you found value in today's podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes. Not only will it put a big smile on my face, more importantly, your reviews will help make it easier for other survivors and survivor advocates to find this podcast. Also, make sure you subscribe to Survivor Sanctuary wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. You can also join the conversation in our Survivor Sanctuary Facebook group. And for exclusive content, be sure to visit SurvivorSanctuary.com. Join me next time for another episode of Survivor Sanctuary. See you then.